Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine. Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. On SAFM. I'm a big hand, really. I just get on that stage and, and do it. I don't really take myself that seriously. Not anymore. There was a time where in the early days where our music was very pompous and very serious and people thought, oh God, what a load of bores, you know? And um, at that time we were getting a bit serious. Everybody is serious to a point. But after 10 years, you know, you've got to kind of ease off a little. And um, I personally just have a good time just fooling around on stage, you know? And that's why I'm not afraid to sort of fall flat on my face because I mean, um, you know, coming out with some of the things I wear sort of over the top. I mean, they, they have an element of humor which I hope comes across. That's basically what it is now. And if I'm seen to be having fun on stage, I think it kind of comes across, which is good. You can get very blase with the public, you know. Sometimes, you know, you, you, you've sort of built up your public and they only want you for a certain thing. And that's the wrong way to go about it as far as I'm concerned. I mean, they should be aware of what you want to do. You, know, you can fall into a trap where you, you know, you, you build up a, a sound or whatever, and then in the end, that's all they want. And you're then manipulated by a public. That's the last thing I want to do. So it was on this day 29 years ago in 1999, at only 45, that Freddie Mercury died. And uh, we are looking at this extraordinary icon that is Freddie Mercury with Dr. Sheldon Rocha-Leal. Thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. Music academic and uh, music fundu of, uh, of note, absolutely of note. Sheldon, what makes Freddie Mercury such an icon? Well, the amazing thing about Freddie Mercury was that not only was he a phenomenal um, musician who started his training at a very young age, at about seven, he was already taking piano lessons. And by the time he was 12, he'd already formed his first band in India. So he was brought up in, um, in an area in, um, called Bombay in India, and then later moved to where he was born in Zanzibar. But he went to a private school there in um, Bombay called St. Peter's School. Mm-hmm. And he, he played the piano. And later on, when um, the family finally moved to um, uh, uh, the UK, he started studying uh, design. Mm-hmm. And he actually designed the Queen logo. So mm-hmm. the logo that you see, the famous Queen Crest, mm-hmm. Is that was actually designed by Freddie Mercury. So not only did he have an understanding of music, he had an understanding of design and placement, and he had phenomenal instincts besides for a extraordinary work ethic. Mm. And I think the two combined then resulted in this phenomenal musician and superstar. I mean, apart from the fact that obviously he was a musician, he could do that. But one of the things that did set him apart is the fact that he he was great with theatrics. So he was a showman. He was able to entertain and put on a show. Exactly. That was one of his big strengths was that he was he knew how to get an audience to buy into what he was doing on stage. But that was also replicated by the amazing music. So like if you look at a song like We Are the Champions, They've done a scientific test on it to determine that it's actually one of the catchiest songs in music history based on the frequencies that were selected, the harmonies and pitches that were used in order to construct the song. 
Um, if you look at a song like Bohemian Rhapsody, which is considered one of the most iconic songs in rock history, you can hear all of the different musical elements that are incorporated into the song. So it was an understanding of music, but it's also an understanding of aesthetic, like what do you look like on stage and how do you interact with an audience, which made him such a phenomenal musician. Mm. On top of that, he had this phenomenal vocal range, which was four octaves which for a male singer is very rare. I mean, most male singers have about a two-octave range. He had a four-octave range, <laughs> which means that he is in the, you know, he's in the same sphere as like, almost like an Aretha Franklin mm. or Whitney Houston mm. with a very extensive vocal range. I mean, th- that's quite phenomenal because I want to then ask, with, with somebody that, as talented as he was, um, the dynamics, what did that mean for the dynamics of the group? Well, he was obviously the band leader, yeah. but, which is strange because the band was around before he yes. even joined the band. Yes, yes. So he joined the band afterwards and then proceeded to take over everything about the band, like or the, the music he would write most of the compositions of Brian May, who was uh, the guitarist in the band. And he designed the, the band look and image, and he came up with the band name. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, I mean, the other guys were all too happy to to um, defer responsibility to him. But he was a major force within that band and dictated what, what the band inevitably did. For, for, for their personal relationship, how much do we know about that relationship, Sheldon? It seems like the relationship between the band was very tight. He was one of the first people, uh, they were the first people that he told that he had, this, that he had AIDS. Um, and so um, they all kept it all very secret. And one would think that one of them would leak the story to the press. Mm. They seemed to be a very close-knit band and they kept each other's secrets and they had each other's backs. Um, the Freddie Mercury story is actually a, a story of phenomenal talent, but it's also quite a sad story and an indictment on the society in which he was famous. I mean, mm-hmm. he couldn't reveal his real sexuality mm-hmm. throughout the period of his fame. Mm-hmm. And he also was very reluctant to reveal his HIV mm-hmm. status during his lifetime. Actually, he only revealed his HIV status two days before he died. And so there was this huge stigma at the time, I'm sure a lot of people that were around at the time know, that AIDS, I mean, was a terrible thing. And if you were anywhere near someone, you might get it like COVID, which was completely uh, which was a complete fallacy. And, and it, it says so much about such a great, I mean, he was a superstar, right? And he yes. too feared being isolated. He feared people shunning him and so on. And, and I wonder what that must have felt like in his daily life, in his personal life, being able to, to navigate this really difficult terrain where you aren't able to speak about your sexuality, you aren't able to address what's really going on behind the scenes. Do we know just to what extent that affected him personally? Well, I'm not quite sure how it affected him psychologically. Mm. But, I mean, I can imagine that, um, you know, a lot of uh, this stuff that happens where where people are lying about their sexuality, etc., back in the the 19... I mean, Elton John had similar problems Mm. and he resorted to taking drugs. And it seems like Freddie Mercury resorted to 
promiscuity and going very much underground. And it seems like society has a huge role to play in the dysfunction of certain subcultures. And I think, you know, as a result of this, um, you know, villainization of homosexuality, resulted in a lot of, like, underhanded behavior. Um, I mean, it was, uh, it's well documented that he was quite promiscuous at the yeah. time, and it could have resulted in the, in the AIDS virus that he eventually got. I wonder, but, yes. I wonder, Sheldon, to a community that he must have spoken to, that, that must have resonated with what it is that he was going through, you know, and obviously only being able to acknowledge the fact that he was HIV positive two days before he left, whether mm. that that elevated um, the conversation around HIV and AIDS for that specific community, for 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 people who also were having difficulties with their sexualities and being accepted in their communities as well. I I think people like Alton John and Freddie Mercury and Rock Hudson and uh, you know a lot of famous gay and also people that died of AIDS. Oh, obviously, Alton John didn't die, well, yes, was never yes. affected by that. But I'm, what I'm saying is a lot of these celebrities and what inevitably happened to them opened up the discussion mm. um, to such a point that today it's more acceptable within certain communities. I think to a large extent there, there are certain communities that still shun all of that. But it is it has allowed people to talk about it, it's allowed people to be more comfortable about their sexuality. And AIDS is now, you know, I mean, it can be easily controlled with drugs and a good lifestyle. And so um, I think, you know, you know, in the loss of someone like Freddie Mercury, it allowed for further discussions and the opening up of um, the way people feel about homosexuality and the acceptance of homosexual people, and it just opened up doors for, for people in the community and for a discussion about um, AIDS and HIV. Sheldon, is it a disappointment for people like yourselves who've gone on to study music at, at PhD level that mm. he he's, he's almost um, revered as a showman and, uh, and yeah. this man who would put up a show, but not really for, for his, his real talent, his voice quality, his ability to put together music in the way that he did? Yeah, I think that's the curse that befalls an entertainer, mm. someone like a Freddie Mercury, who was this phenomenal musician, but is often seen as just the singer or the showman. Mm. And um, it is sad, but I think it was engineered that way. Mm. I think Freddie Mercury wanted to be famous and want, wanted to be this, this uh, recognized uh, figure in rock history. I mean, he changed his name at a very young age, at about 12 years old. He he started calling himself Freddie because his real name was Farouk Bolsara. Yes. And then later on, he changed his surname to Mercury because he thought it was more marketable. Mm. So I think he had a very good understanding of what marketability in the music industry is and how that translates into um, financial reward. Um, so it is sad, but I think Freddie understood what the game was, and he engineered a lot of that. And also, I mean, if you listen to the music, it is a complete product of Freddie Mercury's musical genius, along with the rest of the band members. Um, but getting back to something else that you yeah. said about the, how tight the members were, yeah. just, before, just when he found out that he had AIDS, he told the rest of the guys, 
that although he was very frail, he wanted them to continue writing songs and that he would go into studio and record whatever they gave him because he wanted to leave them with something because he had a, he, he knew that by him dying, it would end uh, you know the income generation mm. as queen. Mm. And so he told them, write, what, write as much as you can and I will go into studio and record it. And if you listen to the song, um, uh, The Show Must Go On, mm. uh, that was sung just a few months before he passed away. He was very frail. Mm. And Brian May said, look, I don't think you're going to be able to cope with the vocal in the studio. Mm. And he said, just give me some vodka. I'm going in there and I'm going to sing this thing <laughs> and you're going to have it forever. And if you listen to the vocal on that, you'll be blown away that someone in their last you know, on their last legs, was mm. able to replicate vocal of that magnitude. To what extent do we know about his his family life, his background, and the relationships there? Well, well, his parents were both Indian, yeah. and his dad worked for the British government as a cashier, and um, he was therefore afforded the opportunity to study at the best school, and he had a phenomenal education. Um, so uh, a lot of people think he's British, but actually he's only British by association. So he had an English passport because his parents worked for the British government and they were from India. Mm. Um, he had this uh, love of his life who was called Mary Austin, mm. uh, and they, they were in a relationship for a period of time. And then he inevitably broke up with her and said, listen, I'm actually bisexual and this is not going to work. But although they broke up, he still bought her a house and took care of her. Um, and when he died, he left Garden Lodge, which is his mansion in Kensington. He left it to her. Um, just before he died, he had a boyfriend called Jimmy Hutton, and he was a hairdresser. And they were together for the last six years of his life. And uh, that seems to be his biggest partner. But the Mary Austin relationship seems to be the most significant relationship in his life. Was that, was that the surprise that he left the, the mansion to her instead of his his latest um, lover? Yeah. Well, I think there was a level of surprise, but he always used to tell people that Mary Austin was his soulmate. So even though they were not sexually active, they he felt so much for her um, that he like every person that he was involved with after Mary Orson had to compete with her for his attention. What I mean, where is she now? <laughs> Do we know? She still lives. She still lives <laughs> in Garden Lodge yes. in Kensington, in England. Um, it's this beautiful mansion in the middle of of London, um, but it's surrounded by this massive wall, which has got t- tons of graffiti because a lot of Freddie Mercury fans go and write on the wall there. Mm. Um, but she still apparently lived in that mansion, and she's kept it in exactly the same way that Freddie Mercury had it when he passed away. <laughs> Do you know what it is that was, you know, foremost important to him in terms of legacy? What, what, what legacy? I know what we remember of him, but what legacy did he want to leave behind? Well, I, I think the music was a really important thing for him. And as I said, the whole big uh, conversation that he had with the guys just before he died and said, listen, I, I want you to make music. I want you to give me as much. I think he was all about the music. He was all about um, making the most amazing music. I mean, if you listen to how he made Bohemian Rhapsody, Tony spent two weeks recording all the voices that appear 
on that record. Wow. He was meticulous about the musical legacy that he left, and he left a, a, a huge legacy. Um, so he died at the age of 45, mm. and he left a huge body of work behind as Queen. Um, as a solo artist, he only released two albums, but as a band, they released um, about 14 albums. Dr. Sheldon Rosha Leal, thank you so much for making the time to, to reminisce, to think back, to remember the big icon that is Freddie Mercury. Uh, he died today 29 years ago. Thank you so much, Pamela. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide, no escape from reality.